Dear gracious, loving Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together, to spend time in fellowship, and to learn more about your work and why you would have us to be involved in the literature ministry. We ask that your spirit would be with each one here and any that are coming later. And we ask that you would open our minds and our eyes, guide us with your eyes, and teach us what you would have us to know. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Well, for those of you who don't know me, I'll just give you a little background. My name's Teresa Broden. I have been an Adventist for about 35, 36, probably 37, yeah, 37 years. I came into the church as a result of literature. So um, literature's always been kind of dear to my heart. Um, what happened is my, my family is totally non-Adventist. No religious background at all. My parents grew up in the church, not an Adventist church. And when they, when they were grown, they said, we have had enough of church. We have put in our quota. We're not going anymore. And they were true to their word. We, I never, ever set foot in a church with my parents my whole entire life that I lived with them as a child. I moved to Michigan to go to um, the University of Michigan. And there, that's where I met my husband. And my husband came from a Baptist background. But his parents had been given or they had purchased books from coal porters. And one of the books that they had was Bible readings for the home. My husband's father passed away, and when he passed away, he wanted to get that book because they had been studying a little bit about it. His father was keeping the Sabbath. He kept it under the Jewish tradition because he couldn't find an Adventist church. So he just stayed home on Sabbath and didn't drive his car, and he kept the Sabbath as best he knew. And so when my husband started looking for this book, we had already started keeping the Sabbath because he'd been studying with his dad. So he went to get the book from his brother. and His brother said, this book is not leaving the house. So he knew that the book, somehow he figured out it was an Adventist book and he had an Adventist friend. So he went to her and said, hey, I'm trying to find this book because he had went to places like Sunshine Bible Shop and other Bible places. And they're like, oh, that's a cult and we don't have books that they sell. And so he's like, this place isn't a cult. I've been reading this stuff. This is good stuff. And so as a result, his friend said, well, this is where the church is. And if you go over there, they'll meet, introduce you to somebody who has the books. And they did. They introduced us to a coal porter. And the coal porter came to our house and sold us the books that he was looking for, Bible readings for the home. And as a result, we got into Bible studies. And today, we're in the church. So... God uses his literature in a very specific and special way. And part of this class is for us to understand how important literature is, but also to understand that literature is not an instant reward type of ministry. And that's, I believe, one of the reasons why a lot of people are discouraged because we have gotten into the instant reward mentality. So if I pass out 100 tracts and nobody asks for a Bible study, I feel unsuccessful. But God has said that there is no failure in his work. So we have to understand that. And once we can understand that and translate that to other people, I think that they will have a greater understanding and appreciation for the literature work. 
So what I've done is a lot of what I have has come from this book called The Printed Prophets. And if you haven't read it, it's, it's a really good read. And this book was originally written in Spanish. And then it was, they had so much good results with it. It was translated to English. So you'll see a lot of what I have comes right out of this book. But most of this book is just quotes from the spirit of prophecy. So if you're not a spirit of prophecy person, you're probably going to have a little difficulty in this class because this class really is based on the spirit of prophecy. The They've got that at the ABC. And it's at the very end of the paper, the name of the book. And hi, Carol. The name of the book and the author is on the very last page. So you don't have to, I didn't like take his information and just make it mine. So, but a lot of the information that I have has come from this. So what we're going to do, this is an interactive class. And so we're going to go through this. We're going to talk about it because basically you need to understand and you need to get the message and you need to make this part of who you are. You know, me just presenting information is just me presenting information. It doesn't make a, you know, doesn't change anybody. So. First question we have is, this is the question that was asked by Mark Finley. And it says, why would God pour out his spirit in latter rain power to finish his work if the majority of the church has little or no interest in witnessing? If the latter rain, the fullness of the Holy Spirit's power, is to empower the church to reach the world with God's end time message, why would God give us the latter rain if we have a complacent, lukewarm attitude toward reaching lost people? The fullness of the Holy Spirit's power will be poured out on a praying, totally committed, unified, witnessing church. So think about that. Is this the situation that we're in today? Are we totally uncommitted, lukewarm, not really interested. What do you think? Pretty much. Pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, we have people in our church that are just gung-ho for literature ministry, health ministry, pathfinders. And then we have another group of people that we can't get involved in anything. You got your workers and your pewsers. Yes. And it's usually the 20% and the 80%. And... Because of that, we don't see what the Lord wants to do in our life and in our church. And, you know, it says here, it says, I want to clarify here that the, for the purpose of this class, church is individuals, not congregations or denominations, because the latter rain will be falling all around and certain people will be receiving the latter rain and others won't. And certain churches may, because, you know, there's some churches that you can say that church is on fire. Everything is. I mean, they're witnessing. They're getting people baptized. They're moving. And then there's other churches who can't tell you the last time they've had someone new come into their church. So as we talk about the latter rain falling, the latter rain is definitely necessary to do the work in gardening terminology. If you plant some seed. You need rain to get the seed going. But if you only get one rain and it never ever rains again, your stuff 
whatever you plant it is going to be pretty small and you probably won't get a harvest. That latter rain is the one that brings in the harvest. And so we are looking for the latter rain because it's time to go home. And because it's time to go home, we really want that latter rain experience, but it's not going to happen in, in most cases to a whole church. It's going to happen to individual people who are ready and willing and accepting of what the Lord wants to do. And that's something we have to understand and appreciate when we do our literature work is the whole church is never going to get excited about it. Not everybody is going to want to do literature ministry. Even when the whole church is excited, there's going to be some naysayers that say, you know, this isn't going to last. We, we have to be ready for that. Even Jesus had to deal with that. So it doesn't mean that, you know, we can opt out and not have to deal with it. We're not the only church, though, that understands the importance of the written word. And so, first of all, Assembly of God leader, his name is Bob Hop, Hoskins. He said that Christian literature anointed by the Holy Spirit is always effective. And the only way that he believes that we will be able to fulfill Christ's injunction to reach the whole world. That's assemblies of God. They understand the importance of literature. And then we have another group. Another mass literature plan is for every home for Christ. This is a systematic distribution of evangelical literature to every home in various countries in cooperation with local churches and missionaries. It has so far circulated 3.25 billion pieces of literature. Dick Eastman, one of the leaders, says a global movement is underway to reach every home for Christ and the impact will be beyond our imagination. So it's not just the Adventists who have this idea that we need to be getting this literature out. Other churches understand the same message that we understand. We have to get the message out. Martin Luther once said that the press is God's highest an extremist act of grace whereby the business of the gospel is driven forward. We need to have the printed paper. We need something printed and the press is what's going to do it. And we as Adventists know that God wants to do something big in our time and that publications will constitute one of his instruments. Thus the church effort to use this means as never before. For example, on Sabbath, March the 24th, 2012, the church in South America distributed 25 million copies of the great hope in a single day. 25 million copies in a single day. That's a lot of magazine, I mean, little books. The little book, The Great Hope, which is a condensed version of The Great Controversy. That's a lot. But this just goes to show you that Everybody is waking up to the fact that literature is important in order to finish the work. We have to have it. Please consider what this means. The final stretch of finishing the gospel is now underway. The fact remains that we can still consider publications one of the most important means of fulfilling God's church, God's church's mission. So, Knowing that, what do you think we should do to further that mission? What do you think? 
<laughs> okay, we need to get off our butts, all right? That's one thing. Is it really worth it? Well, what's the, what's the value of a soul that's saved? Yeah. You know, I, people, I think that's part of it. You know, people look at it, well, we spend all this money, but I've said it before, in the fullness of time, you give somebody some literature, they set it on a shelf. When they're ready mm -hmm. for that, the Holy Spirit will prompt them to pick that up and read it. That's right. Or they'll do something with it and somebody else will get it that's ready for it. Yes. You and know, we have to do our part and let God do his part. And we have many miracle stories of people who have found a piece of literature in the trash can. Somebody had it on it, you know, sitting on their shelf for 25 years and then they picked it up. So it isn't that literature doesn't work. It's just it doesn't work the way we want it to work. Again, this is instant gratification. If I even with a Bible study, you know, we go through evangelistic meetings and we feel disappointed when 200 people come on the first day and five people get baptized. We think that evangelistic series wasn't good because we had 200 people and only five got baptized. But how many heard the word and have that word in their heart? How many took their pamphlet home with them that they may read and study and look at and allow the Lord to let that sink into their heart? But we, be, again, because of instant gratification, we forget how important that written word is and the effect that it can have. I mean, we're still reading the Bible today, right? We should be. I mean, and this thing is considered old. And a lot of us have them in our house and we have to blow, you know, we dust them. You know, what was a little kid was saying that the mom was dusting and... The kid picked up the Bible and the mom was dusting it. And the kid said, mom, whose book is that? Because it's really dusty. And the mom said, well, it's God's book. So the kid said, well, you need to give it back to him because nobody's using it here. You know? So we have to start picking up that literature, picking up that Bible. We need to use these things because there is value in the printed word. Think about the Walden Seas. And I mean, they had... Scripture sewn inside of their clothing. Sheets, just pages of the Bible sewn inside of their clothing so that they would be able at an opportune moment to share it with someone else. They valued the literature. And see, we've gotten to the point because we have so much technology that we don't value the written word as much as we should. And, you know, that even goes back to the word of God. The Ten Commandments is a written word written with God's own hand. And that's not valued anymore either because it's just, you know, just a piece of paper. It's just a written word. It's written it's, out of rock. Yeah, it's written out of rock. It can't get past that. But the value of the written word is just because it doesn't have instant gratification. People just don't care anymore. And we need to realize that this is a key to discipleship, is the written word. Because, I mean, like I said, I came in through literature. I'm sure everybody here has had some connection with somebody that came in through literature or they themselves came in as a result of literature because it works. It does work. It just doesn't work as fast as we want it to. 
And we have to start to learn to let things work in God's time and not in our time. Okay, let's see, where are we? You may be surprised to learn that in the context of last day crisis, print media will be one of the most crucial means that the Lord will use to save millions from deadly delusions. As a church, we have been, not been mindful of inspired counsel. The book work should be the means of quickly giving sacred light of the presence of the word. When the church members realize the importance of the circulation of our literature, they will devote more time to it. And I think that's the problem. Most people don't think it's important. We've done everything. We have tracks that you can get for little to nothing, all the way up to huge encyclopedias and volumes. So you can get literature, and tomorrow we'll, we'll look at all these different ways you can use literature. But you can get literature in almost any form for almost any price. And we still don't use it. You know, we get, how many of us get books? We all go to ABC, we buy all these books, we take them home. Do we do anything with those books when we take them home? Or do we just take them home and add to our collection? I mean, we want to use that literature because God is going to hold us accountable for everything that we could have learned. So if we got all these books, <laughs> all these books, we need to be reading them as well. But we need to take that information in so that we can share that information with others. Because it says here, if people really realized how important it was, they would spend more time. But we haven't come to the realization of how important it really is. It's extremely important that we understand this. You know, in early times, a long, long time ago, before there was written history, people had great minds and they didn't have to write things down. Well, today, people don't have minds, half of us, and we need to write everything down because we forget. And so literature helps to remind us it helps us to settle into the truth that we know. I mean, think about the word of God. How many times have you read a text and then you read it again and you're like, I've read this thing 50 times and I've never ever seen that statement or understood what that statement meant. It's the printed word that settles into our mind and it helps us to make decisions, but we have to have it there as a reminder because we do forget. We do forget. Think about the Sabbath. We have to have a weekly reminder of the Sabbath because if we didn't have a weekly reminder of the Sabbath, we would forget. And even though we have a weekly reminder, what happens on Friday, two hours before sundown? We have somehow forgotten that it's almost Sabbath and we have to hurry and rush around so we can get ready. I mean, we just tend to forget even though we know. And so what about the people who don't know, who haven't heard, who no one has shared any literature with? I have a prayer and my prayer is that I pray every day for the people that nobody prays for because there are people out there that don't have any connection at all to Christ or someone who knows Christ. And I think about those people, you know, and the reason I think about them, like I said, I come from a non-Christian family. 
And I know my parents were not praying for me. I had grandparents that were praying for me, but I know my parents were not praying for me because they had severed their connection. And so God was able to do something in my life that he would have never been able to do had I not had somebody praying for me. Well, all these other people that are out there that have never heard the word, no one's ever given them a track, no one's ever visited them. They don't have that connection. And the world is getting ready to become very, very difficult and crazy. And they have nothing to hang on to. Nothing. There are people who have a little track. I've seen several people, they pull it out of their wallet and it's all, and you maybe know some people, it's all beat up and bashed up or it's a card, it's a scripture, it's something that is very dear to their heart and they stick it in their wallet and they keep it, you know, and they'll say, 10 years ago, such and such gave me this and they carry it around and it's dear to their heart and it reminds them of how much God loves them or how much that person loves them. You can't do that with a television program. <laughs> you can't. You can't carry the television program around or the internet. Sometimes you go on the internet, it's not even there anymore. So you have to have the written word. Let's go to the next page. It says, there will be a coming crisis and there will be greater difficulties as we draw closer to the end. God will then call into action agencies currently known only to him to aid in the completion of this tremendous task. But the missionary strength of the church rests within every member, regardless of place or position. When divine power is combined with human effort, the work will spread like fire and stubble. God will employ agencies whose origins man will be unable to discern. Angels will do a work which men might have had the blessing of accomplishing had they not neglected the claims of God. So it's going to come a time when angels are going to have to do the work that we just didn't do because we didn't think it was important or we were too busy or we just didn't understand. But the work has to be finished. It has to be done. We can't go home until it's finished. But God is going to, Sister White says it, God is going to take the reins in his own hands eventually because he's going to get to the point. I'm wondering why he's not there yet because he is long-suffering and patient because, you know, when we look at the things that are going on in this world, I'm like, Lord, how much can you take? How long can you bear? And so it's going to come to a point where angels are going to have to come and fill in and help us to finish the work and inspire us. But again, it's that latter rain that's only going to be poured out on those who have already made a decision that they want to be involved. If you just want to sit in your church and be a pew warmer, the latter rain might miss you. You know, if you don't want to go the extra mile and do the Bible study and pass out the literature and make the phone calls and the visits, the latter rain may miss you. And that's going to be a sad thing. And it's real difficult, you know, when you're in a church and you're excited and nobody else is interested. You know, it's, it's difficult. 
because you really want to do something and you talk to people and you try to get them involved and they'll go out once. And because they didn't have, you know, I knocked on doors and not anybody was willing to take my tracks. I'm not going anymore. Yeah, it's those kinds of things that cause them to be discouraged. But we have to have faith and trust in God. This is what he's asked us to do. He hasn't asked us to do a whole lot. And we need to realize that if he just wants us to just put those pieces of literature out, like the seeds, the leaves of autumn, we need to do that because there are so many souls that are going to be won because of it. We've all heard stories. We've all, we've all, we all know that it works. It's just that we haven't accepted it. And it's the next question. We have a question. What is the perfect technology for the gospel at the end time? Perfect technology. The printed word. It lasts. That's right. The printed word is the perfect technology for the end time. Too many of us fall prey to the fantasy of believing that satellite television, radio, and internet evangelism are the sum total of public evangelism. Yes. You know, in conjunction with this, this could work with a printed page. But what do a lot of the ministries say? If you want a free book, write <laughs> or call. Or, you know, That's right. And it. they're giving you a book. Yeah. That's right. If you want a free book, they're giving it to you. Well, you know, you think about countries that don't have this technology. We go to Kenya from time to time. Nothing's going to work over there but the printed page. They have pastors there that have cell phones, but at the same time, they don't have electricity, which means at the same time, they don't have Internet. So they might have a cell phone, it's not going to be a smartphone and it's only going to be so they can actually communicate with somebody so they can get a ride from A to B because they don't have cars. But they're not on their phones sending text messages and looking up stuff on the Internet because that's not the kind of technology they have. And most of the world does not have that technology. We here in the United States, because everybody, including our children, have smartphones, we believe that, you know, everybody has this technology, but that technology is not readily available to everybody. And what happens when the power goes out? It's not readily available to anybody. You know, we, we, all, we love our cell phones and we get upset when we can't get Wi-Fi. My Wi-Fi is not working. I can't check my email. You know, those kinds of things. So, I mean, that technology is great now, but it's not going to work forever. Broadcast media, despite their present glory, will not have the accessibility in the coming struggle that a simple book will have. The enemies of the gospel will attempt to block all manner of potential avenues through which our message could find its way to the people. Seventh-day Adventists will no longer be able to make large media purchases in a no-buy, no-sell environment. But what is easy to do to a TV program is not so easy to do to books. When France resorted to censoring books during the Reformation, Dutch presses stationed near the border of France ensured that the book circulation continued unabased. So when Satan tries to shut us down with books and printed word, Christ is going to make sure that we have a way to get things through. 
Those of you who are not familiar with the French Reformation, when they went through the Reformation, they've got every single book. Every, they said they were done with religion. We will no longer be a religious country. Anything religious is going, we are going to follow reason. And reason is going to be what we follow. And so they got a prostitute and put her up on the thing and carried her through town and called her reason. And they all fell down and worshiped her and all the Bibles and religious books and everything was burned. And you couldn't have a Bible. You couldn't have a book. But as it says here, the Dutch presses stationed at the border were still printing and making sure the books came in. There is a story of a pastor and this pastor was bringing Bibles into the country. And he always prayed that he didn't get caught bringing Bibles into the country. And so finally they pulled him over and they asked him where he was getting his money from so he could get Bibles. And he said, well, what happened is he was bringing Bibles in and he got caught at the border. And so when he got caught at the border, they weren't going to let him bring any more Bibles in. Well, the guy who was caught him, said, okay, well, what we'll do is, they kind of worked out a deal. They didn't, they said, we'll give you some money for this because we're going to destroy it. So they gave him some money and then he was getting ready to print a new volume, but he didn't have enough money. And so the money that they gave him for the old ones was more than he needed to get the new volumes printed. So they asked him, well, who is your greatest contributor? because they were trying to round up the people that were helping him. He said, well, actually it was that like police sergeant or whoever it was that confiscated my books and gave me some money because he gave me more money than anybody else had given me for my individual books. So, you know, God has made ways for people to get literature into the country and get it to people. Yes. There's another story I heard of a pastor doing the same thing. He was bringing books in and he got caught. You know, and they say, well, where are you going? He says, well, I'm bringing all these Bibles into the country. Ha, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get out of here. And God blinded their mind. They couldn't see the Bible. The, the, the whole back seat's full of Bibles, and they let him in. Okay. You know, so. God's going to get the printed word in. And the printed word means so much to people. See, we have taken it for granted for so long because we, we can, you know, we got the ABC over there. What? Translation of Bible do you want? What dictionary do you want to go with it? How many tracts would you like? Most people in the world do not have that luxury. And we need to understand that Satan is going to use literature in a way, when God is going to use literature in a way, that Satan will not be able to stop. You know, when people are sewing it up inside their clothes and, you know, passing them out everywhere you go, those Seeds are going to grow and they're going to produce fruit. Okay. According to Ellen White, when the religious denominations unite with the papacy to oppress God's people, places where there is religious freedom will be opened by evangelistic canvassing. Well, I think we're here, right? Are the religious denominations uniting with papacy? I think, I think we're, we're probably here. And says, places where there is religious freedom will be open for evangelistic. So as we see this ecumenical movement coming together, 
It's actually going to be giving us greater opportunity to spread the gospel. It looks like it isn't, but it's actually going to be giving us greater opportunity. And we need to take advantage of these opportunities because we don't know how long that window of time is going to be open. And right now, we're in the eye of the hurricane, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but we're right there. I mean, we can do things now with relative freedom, but it won't last very long. I was reading in Religious Liberty magazine about the Jehovah Witnesses that are in Russia. The Jehovah Witnesses in Russia, their faith has been banned from Russia completely. All their churches have been confiscated. They are no longer allowed to meet in homes or any other place at all. They're no longer allowed to pass out any information, any literature, nothing. Russia has banned them completely. So if you are a Jehovah Witness and you are in Russia, you just have to zip your mouth up and say nothing. So we asked the question, we had a religious liberty guy come and we asked the question is like, well, you know, this is a religious liberty issue and we try to defend people that are having religious liberty issues. You know, are we doing anything to help the Jehovah Witnesses out? And the, the comment was, well, we're not saying too much because we don't want them to look at us. And it's kind of sad because we're next. I mean, it might be some other groups, but we're next. We know we're next. What do you do in, in a situation like that? You know, I mean, we can pray for them, but it's, I mean, it's very difficult because they, you know, you can't mention your Jehovah, it's nothing. It's, it's just the whole religion is totally banned. They just, and, and when it's very ironic is, they, someone had told me it was like a couple years ago, they had picked a Jehovah Witness family and like um, highlighted them as like the model family. And now you can't even say that you're a Jehovah Witness in that country. So it's going to happen here. But literature that is placed in the hands of people will still do the work. Because we have people that are judges and lawyers, and those people read things, and if they're getting literature, you know, Liberty Magazine goes out to them, and if they're getting literature, a seed is being planted in their heart. There have been people who have said, you know, like you said, the guy didn't see anybody, any Bibles in the back seat. There have been people who have went before judges and the judges have been sympathetic because something that they read or the Lord has touched their heart because that seed from the literature has been planted there and the situation that could have been very, very dire has been turned around. God has put his Holy Spirit on his literature. And we need to remember when we're passing out literature that we need to pray over this and ask the Holy Spirit to be with each and every piece that goes out wherever it goes, be it in the trash can, be it on the desk. We need to have the Holy Spirit going to touch the heart of those people because God said his word is not going to return void. And so if it's not going to return void, that means that literature is going to touch somebody at some time. So we need to be, you know, thinking about passing out this literature. Let me pray over this stuff. Let me give it to the right people. People have walked up and asked for literature. I had some literature. I was, 
um, had some on my desk. I was um, buying textbooks back from students and I always give them a piece of literature and I just had some sitting there and one young man, he just walked up and asked, can I have one of these? And I'm like, sure, that's what they're for. You know, I didn't, I didn't even have to give him one. He wanted it. Praise God that he wanted that. There are so many other young people that aren't interested, but there are people out there that are searching. There are people that want the truth. And for a lot of people, the truth has to settle in. And, you know, if I'm going to evangelistic meetings every night, I get a little bit every night, I get a little bit, and it can settle in. And I can start accepting it, and I can kind of mull it over in my mind. But for someone who you don't have a lot of contact with, they can take that book or that magazine or that track and they can read it two, three, four times. And every time they read it, you know, it, it kind of settles in a little more. It settles in a little more. It settles in a little more. I remember my, um, our head elder at our church said he was a Catholic and he was given the great controversy to read. He said he threw that book down many a time when he was reading it because they talked about the Catholic Church and he was Catholic. And he said he threw the thing down because he was mad because he didn't want to hear what they were saying about his church. But he went back and got it again. And he kept going back and it started to settle. That word started to settle on his soul and his spirit and the Holy Spirit was able to work with him. And he ended up being our head elder at our church. So obviously the Holy Spirit worked on his heart through that literature. And that's what has to happen. But it's a little bit here and a little bit there. And it's the prayers that go with this. I can't overemphasize how important prayer is in the literature work. You have to have everything you do when you're dealing with literature bathed in prayer. I remember my son went out. He had to do um, canvassing for the summer and he didn't want to do it. But that was a criteria. If you want to go away to school, you're canvassing for the summer. So I remember the first day he came back and he was like, Mom, God answers prayer. And I'm like, he does. You know, like, I didn't know this. And he was like, yes. We were, he said, we were trying to get some books into some of these homes and, and nobody wanted them. And so we stopped and we prayed. And he said, and then the very next house that we went to, the person wanted some books. And he said, I, I never knew that God answered prayer like that. And so we have got to pray over our literature. You know, our young people, I hats off to our young people that come in the summer and do the mega book program, because that is a tremendous work. You would not believe how many of our conferences no longer have mega books, no longer have summer programs for kids, no longer have coal porters, and many don't even have publishing departments anymore, especially here in North America. They are closing weekly. It's just, they're like, we, we don't have publishing ministries anymore. Many of them don't have ABCs anymore. So many of our ABCs, you know, we're, we're here in Michigan, we are blessed. We have two ABCs in our state. There are states have no ABCs at all in the whole entire state. You know, there are people in Oklahoma have to drive to Texas to go to the ABC. Yes. So, you know, we are blessed that we have these resources because there are so many places that don't have ABCs, don't have our information. And our literature is the literature that we need to be sharing. You know, you can go to your neighborhood book and Bible house, but what happens when we use the world's literature 
is we confuse people because our literature is not the same. And what happens if you share that with them? You know, when you're new and you're learning what you first learn, you know, first impressions, those kind of things sink in. It's very difficult to re-educate somebody. When I came into the church, I didn't have any Christian background at all. I didn't need to be re-educated. They told me, I said, it makes sense. Okay, I'm joining. It was that simple. But when you have been brought up in a Baptist church or a Catholic church or in any type of denomination, and over your lifetime, you have been given this information. And then when someone tries to give you Adventist literature, you have to be re-educated. And it's very difficult and especially difficult if we as Adventists are not giving you Adventist material when we're trying to help you. Because again, this message has to settle in. It doesn't happen overnight. We've all been through our own conversion experience and we've all had to settle into the truth. You know, not everything we took the first day, you know, when we found out grandma was not in heaven, we weren't always happy about that. You know, if we had grandma in heaven, that was not something I was trying to hear right away. And we had to settle into that truth. And so when we don't use our literature, we confuse people that are coming into the church and it makes it more difficult for them. So we have to really be careful and make sure that when we are doing our witnessing, when we are passing out our literature, whatever we share, that it is Adventist literature because God has called us with a special message. This is a movement going on here. Then this is a very special message that none of the other churches are sharing with people. Today, spiritualism is everywhere and not many churches are saying that it's wrong. You know, I mean, you got churches now, they're doing a whole bunch of strange things. You're in Michigan. You don't see a lot of that stuff. But there's a lot of strange things going on in churches today. You know, people are talking to the dead. They're having seances. And a lot of these things are going on in churches. Yeah, they're reading Harry Potter. Church schools are reading Harry Potter. I mean, so we have to be very careful about what we share with people and make sure that it is rooted and grounded in Adventist theology and doctrine. And it, it's difficult. You know, here at Michigan Camp Meeting, we have all the good speakers that come and warn us about the things that are going on. And that's just not happening across the country. I get to travel a lot and I get to go to a lot of different camp meetings. And I can tell you, some of the things at camp meeting, I come here because I tell people it's like water for my parched soul. It just wets me and fills me up because I go to a lot of other camp meetings and they are not teaching the same thing. And these are Adventists. These are Adventists. And, you know, as, as you get closer to the coasts, the east and the west, the things get stranger and stranger on each coast. So you're, you're in the middle. So you're good. But, I mean, th this is just what's going on. And so, you know, I want you to be aware. And this is why Adventist literature is what we need to be using. It says, could it be that God is preparing a mighty last day spiritual movement that will move the world and that literature will play a significant part in God's final plan to save the last generation. It says, can we conclude that the greatest challenge to every Adventist this side of the second coming is the mass distribution of the message through every means at his or her disposal? We need to understand the challenge of reaching 7 billion people. 
we have to reach 7 billion people. How much of the world would we be able to reach if we waited till the last moment? We have been cautioned as faithful watchmen. You should see the sword coming and give a warning that men and women may not pursue a course through ignorance that they would avoid if they knew the truth. We have a tremendous responsibility. We have to reach seven billion people. And why are we waiting till the very last moment? We won't be able to do it if we wait till the very last moment. We won't have enough time. Time is already short. And there's many who have gone to Christless graves because we haven't done the work that we should have done. So we need to understand there is urgency about getting this message out. It's urgent. It's a life or death situation. And it could be life or death for us or someone that we love. And so literature is the way to do it. We need to be having literature and passing it out everywhere we go. You know, we think, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with literature. Tomorrow we'll talk about a lot of different things you can do with literature that you probably never thought of. But we need to have a sense of urgency about finishing this work. Seven billion people is a lot of people. I can't even imagine what seven billion looks like. You know, somebody say it was a thousand people there and you you know, it was 5,000. You can kind of imagine with the group. And they say, well, it was the auditorium, and the auditorium had about, you know, 5,000 people. And you can imagine that. Okay, but billion? I'm, I'm struggling with the millions. So when we get to billion, it's just more than I can think about. But God wouldn't give us a job that we couldn't finish. And he's already said that there will be angels that are going to be helping to get this done says, we cannot tell what will be the results of sharing one track containing these present truths. And a thousands in the 11th hour will see and acknowledge the truth. These conversions to the truth will be made with rapidity that will surprise the church. So that means there's stuff out there. There's literature in people's homes today, sitting on the shelf, collecting dust that they have not used. We had a friend join our church. She bought a set of books from the Cole Porters. They were in the box that he sent it to her in for 10 years, not even opened inside of her house, in the box, sealed up for 10 years. And then she came to a set of meetings and she's like, I think I got that stuff at home. And then she opened the box and there was the books that she'd had for 10 years in her house, sealed up in the box. So you see, there is seed out there just waiting. But see, God had to take her through some things to get her heart ready because if she had opened it maybe nine years earlier, her heart might not have been ready. That's right. But we've got to have the materials there because think about it. When she started going to the meetings and then she found those books, she came home, she started devouring those things. You know, it was like, oh, I got this. I got this. You know, she was so happy because she was settling in to the truth. And so this is why we need to put literature any and everywhere we can in every hand that we can, because we don't know what is going to happen to that piece of literature, whose heart it's going to touch. You know, there's a saying that I use and it says, God had an idea and then he made you. 
because there was something that only you could do. And so he's like, you know, Carol, I got something I need done. I'm going to make Carol because she'll take care of it. These are the things that he does. He has an idea and then he makes you. Because the people that we come in contact with, our sphere of influence is totally different from the sphere that someone else has. There are people that will believe me that won't believe anybody else. There are people that will believe you and they won't believe anybody else. Because you have that sphere of influence and putting that literature in their hands is going to make a difference. That piece of literature bathed in prayer, we don't know when it's going to happen, but won't it be wonderful when you're having somebody tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, you gave me that literature like 20 years ago. I read that thing. I was like, yeah, right. I put it on the shelf and then, you know, I went back to get it and I read it and I was like, what was wrong with me? Why didn't I read this thing? Those are the kind of reunions that you get in heaven and it's worth it. But if we don't start sowing the seed, there will be so many lost. And there will, be many, there will be people who are lost because that was the decision they made. But, you know, who wants to know that someone they know was lost because we didn't make the choice to, to share the information with them? We're going to be held accountable for the things that we could have done and didn't also. That's right. We will be held accountable for the things that we could have done and didn't do. Okay. Before the final visitation of God's judgment upon the earth, there will be among the people of the Lord such a revival of primitive godliness as has not been witnessed since apostolic times. This spirit and power of God will be poured out upon his people at that time. Many will separate themselves from those churches in which the love of this world has supplanted, has supplanted love of God and his word. Many, both of ministers and people, will gladly accept those great truths which God has caused to be proclaimed to prepare a people for the Lord's second coming. So we're going to have people, ministers and people in other churches, coming out when we start proclaiming the message. Some people have just never heard the message. And so, of course, if they've never heard the message, they can't make a decision. So we need to be giving the message so that they can hear. It says, you know, they would blow their trumpets and the trumpet had to have a clear sound so the people knew what to do. Well, if our trumpet is our literature and we're not using it, there is no clear sound. So the people will not know what to do. In a large degree through our publishing houses is to be accomplished the work of that other angel who comes down from heaven with great power and who lightens the earth with his glory. The printed page anointed by the Holy Spirit, which we talked about, is destined to play a wonderful role at earth's decisive moment. To be specific, three classes of people exist on earth today. Those who love the truth, those who hate the truth, and those who neither love nor hate the truth. The undecided. God wants to bring an end to indecision. This is a battle for the mind. What will you do now that you know you have a decisive role in determining who will stand for God? Because we have a role. There won't be, when Christ comes back, any people to 
haven't made up their mind yet. You know, it won't be, well, Lord, let, when you finish that judgment over there, get back with me and I'll let you know how I feel. There won't be any of that. They will either love the Lord or they will hate the Lord because God is a just God. He can't punish someone who hasn't made up their mind, who hasn't settled into the truth or who has decided that they're not accepting the truth. But right now, there are a large group. There was a pastor who gave a message a couple weeks ago at a camp meeting I was in, and he said the majority of the people now in the United States are, if you ask what religion you are, are none. The majority in this country are none. That means they haven't made up their mind. That means they're undecided. That means we need to do something to help those 7 billion people know what kind of choice to make. Because otherwise, if you don't choose, Satan gets you by default. But if no one ever shares with them, they don't have any reason to make a decision for Christ because they don't have any information. And this is where we come in. This is why our literature is so important. Because once you understand the truth, and it says here, you know, there's people who love the truth and people who hate the truth. But see, if you don't know the truth, you can't even make an educated choice. And most people don't know the truth. You know, if someone knew that your house was going to burn down in a certain time, they're like, your house is going to burn down sometime next year. They didn't know when, but they just knew positively that your house was going to burn down. Wouldn't you want them to tell you? Even if they didn't know today, you'd want to know because at least you would every day you'd be taking precautions. You would be like, it's going to happen, but at least I'll be prepared. I won't leave with all my children in the house. You know, I won't leave anything on cooking because my house is going to burn down. It's inevitable. It's going to burn down. But let's make the casualties as less as possible. If it's just the house burned down, okay, I can deal with that. But if it's the house and the children, and that's not a good thing. You know, if it's a house and the wife, that's not a good thing. So we know that Christ is coming back and that those people who have not accepted him, who are still in the undecided mode, are going to be lost. We are doing them a disservice when we don't share the truth with them. And God, like you said, we're going to be accountable for the things we knew to do, and for the accountable for the things we didn't know to do, that we didn't do, that we didn't, that we, the things that we didn't do that we knew we should have done. And so we have to think about, am I going to be held accountable because I didn't share the message with somebody? I have this literature. I mean, almost every Adventist I know has literature sitting around somewhere in the car, at home. We have literature. I mean, that's one thing we have, an abundance of literature. But are, what are we doing with it? Are we just getting it so I can have a bookcase of one of everything? So if someone comes to my house, I got one of everything published in Adventist literature. Have you read any of it? Well, no, I'm just collecting it. It's a collection so I can have one of everything in case I ever need it. No, that's not what it's for. But many of us have that kind of collection. So we have to understand that we are going to be responsible it is the role, it, I'm sorry, it is, it is certain that one of the key problems facing us in the final days 
will be that of seeing our evangelistic media outlets banished from public eye. So where will the prophets be who must give the loud cry in the coming crisis? Who will pay, play the role of the last messenger of mercy for a world on its way to eternal ruin? We know there won't be, it is written, there won't be voice of prophecy. None of that stuff's going to be on. There won't be internet. We won't be on the internet. There'll be internet, but we won't be on there. We already know this is coming. So are we going to wait till the very last minute to start sharing our literature? Well, we'll just wait because right now they got all these other things. Are we going to wait? No, we can't wait. We need to start now. And see, this is why we need to build up friendships with people. This is why we need to continue. We need to be praying so God will open doors because prayer can open doors that nothing else can open because we all have neighbors. We all have friends. We all have relatives. We need to be praying for them so that we can put this literature in their hands. Because think about it, when they notice that there's no more Adventist TV, no more Adventist radio, no more Adventist internet, they're gonna start asking questions. What's going on? How come you guys are, are taking off the radio? You know, I used to watch 3ABN. Is there anything else I can do? Well, yeah, I got some literature for you. But if we haven't been praying for these people and encouraging those people, they're not gonna take that stuff from us. But it's going to happen. And it's probably not going to be very soon before it's going to be gone. You know, right now it's opening and it keeps opening up a little more. But we know we're in the eye of that hurricane. The storm is coming. In the fleeting moments, just before the end, many will understand for the first time the importance of Christ's Sabbath. The message will be carried not so much by argument as by the deep conviction of the spirit of God. The arguments have been pre presented. The seed has been sown and now it will spring up to bear fruit. The publications distributed by missionary workers had exerted their influence. The harvest produced by the printed page during earth's last moments will be completely unexpected and therefore most impressive. The printed publication is an instrument that can reach and influence the public as no other means can. Because you can read that over and over again. When you get something and it just touches your heart, you can just keep reading it. You can set it down, come back and keep reading it. And it, every time you read it, it just settles into your soul a little bit more and you just become more and more convicted. You know, when you first heard about the Sabbath, you heard about it. Oh, okay, Sabbath, you know. You didn't think a whole bunch of it, but as you really started studying it and reading about the Sabbath, it's really started sinking in. And, you know, you're like, this is this is true. You know, and then it's like, you know, I need to do something because I know about this. It just settles into your soul. And once it starts to settle in, it has an effect that nothing else has. And so the printed word is important for the but the, but here it is. For the printed word to be printed page to be effective, it simply needs to be distributed. It is not good working on the shelves in the ABC. It's not good in the back of your car. It's not good in the church. It needs to be distributed. It won't work if it's not distributed. This is why. When we start seeing people coming into the church, it's going to be impressive because remember, 80% of the people are sitting in the pews. A lot of rain is not falling on them. They're not doing anything. 
But when they start seeing people just walk into the church asking questions, wanting to know, it's going to be the work of that small minority, that 20% that's been out there passing out tracts, sharing literature, giving things away. And when those people start to come in, those people will know why. Because they know that they have been involved in spreading the seed so that the soil can be ready. Chasing hurricanes. They have people that chase hurricanes. Their job is to fly. When they see a hurricane come, they get these special planes. They go up and they fly through the storm part of the hurricane into the middle part where it's calm, drop the weather balloons down in there, and then they fly back out. That's their job. They have to chase these hurricanes. Why are they chasing them? Because they need to prepare people to give a warning. In a hurricane, I had a friend. She lived in Key West, Florida. She said hurricanes would come all the time. They were used to them. She said, but when the eye of the storm would come, they would run outside and play because the storm would come, the winds would blow, and everything was torn up, but then the eye would come, and it would be total calm, no rain, no fog, no wind, total calm. So they, would, they were kids. They would all run outside and play. And then when the rains and things started, they knew the other side of the hurricane was coming and they would come back in. Well, folks, we're in the eye of the hurricane. That's where we are. Because all of the persecution and everything from the dark ages and all of those things have passed. And we've had peace and safety and calm and it looks pretty good. And right now it feels pretty good and we can do things and we can say things. Yes, there are some restrictions. You know, they don't want you soliciting in certain neighborhoods and doing that. But for the most part, we're in the eye. But guess what? The other side is coming. And when that other side comes, it's usually worse than the first side. And that's where we are right now. When you go through the seals, we're right there in between seal number six and seal number seven. Seal number six is already done. The stars and all that, that's number six. It's already done. We're, we're getting ready for seven. We're right there in the calm. That means we've got opportunity. But what are we going to do with that opportunity? We have opportunity to share our literature because there is freedom right now. We can get our stuff printed. Pretty soon we won't even be able to get anything printed. So we need to get it printed and get it out so we can keep getting it printed and get it out and get it printed and get it out. We can't just get it printed and stockpile it. Get it out, get it out, get it out. Because there will come a time, you know, even today, some of our literature, Sister White is very emphatic that we have our own printing houses. But today I can tell you, we have literature that is not being printed by Seventh-day Adventist presses because we have given up some of our presses. So a lot of our literature is being printed. Even some of it is being printed by Catholic presses, which care nothing about the Sabbath. And this is our literature. But how long do you think that these other presses will print our literature saying what we're saying? Not long. Soon there's going to come a time when they're not going to print it or they'll just change it. I worked for a printing company, publishing house, and there were times when there were things written about the 
publishing house that we didn't even know and we were printing it because we weren't the publisher, we were just the printer. And so that's what happens when you let someone else print your information. Because once they give you your book, your magazine or whatever, you know, you turned in your thing. This is what we want. So you expect to have that when you get it back. Most people, you don't know, check it. I order five million books. I come back to get my five million books and they've changed a couple things in my five million books. <laughs> you, know, you don't know it because who checks, right? We have to be praying. We really need to be praying. We're in the eye of the storm. And we're losing our publishing when we're losing our publishing houses, our, our literature is even going to be more important because we're really going to have to go through it and make sure it's ours, yes. Why are we losing our decision? Why are they closing our, we Yeah, we have one in the U.S. Our publishing houses are closing because of a lot of different reasons. Some of it's political. Some of it is just our people are not aware of what's going on. You know, like I said, I worked at a publishing house before it closed. So I, I know a lot about the, the ins and outs, but these things are all predicted. This is going to happen. God is allowing these things to happen because we've sat on our duff and done nothing. And because we've sat on our duff and done nothing, our publishing houses are closing. Many of our people don't support our publishing houses. Many people go to the Book and Bible House down the street and buy their literature. And that's why this class is here to help us understand is we need Adventist literature. And unless we start supporting our, our Adventist bookstores and publishers physically and financially, they're going to continue to close. A lot of the reason is, a lot of things can be printed overseas a whole lot cheaper than it can be printed here. And that's not just publishing. That's a whole bunch of stuff. We know a lot of jobs and things we've lost. It's gone overseas. And see, all of those are the signs that's letting us know we're getting close to the storm starting to start up again. So we need to support them with everything we can. You know, I tell people, buy stuff from your ABC, buy them from your local coal porter, Wherever we have to get our literature, get it as long as we can, because one day we will not be able to get it. It's just like Bibles, you know, now you can sometimes some of these translations are a little bit strange. You know, you go into the Bible store and you're looking for certain versions of the Bible and it's like, you know, we don't have that one. We have this one and that one, but we don't have this one. Some of the ones that are more conservative they're doing away with because people want the new translations. We have to be really careful about these things. We really have to be careful. And if we don't use our literature, support our Bible and book houses and our publishers, we're not going to have anything. We're just not going to have anything. And that's part of the problem is if nobody's passing out literature, nobody believes in our literature, if anything is good, you know, if I can get a state of the dead thing from Lifeway or whatever it is, place, and it's not according to our beliefs, but I think, well, it's good enough. You know, I'll just explain to them that that's not the real thing. If we continue to do that, they will continue to close.
we have to really decide, you know, I believe in Adventist message, I believe in Adventist literature, and I'm going to support it, not just with my mouth, but financially, and I'm going to encourage other people. You know, when you hear people saying, well, I'm not going to buy that because I can go cross the street to the regular place and get the same stuff cheaper, it's not the same stuff. And that's the problem. It's not the same stuff. Revelation chapter 7, verses 1 through 3. I'm going to read that. We're just about done. Uh, Revelation chapter 7, verses 1 through 3. And this comes again, like I said, this comes at the end of the sixth seal. And this is the sealing of God's people. And it said, And after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor the sea, nor the tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea saying, hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, until we have sealed the servants of God in their foreheads. The question is, why are they restraining the winds? Because the servants of God have to be sealed in their foreheads. Their minds have to be made up. They cannot be undecided anymore. The winds today are being held back so that those that are undecided have an opportunity to decide. And they can't decide if they don't have truth to give them the way to go. The angels are now restraining the winds of strife that they may not blow until the world shall be warned of its coming doom. But a storm is gathering ready to burst upon the earth. And when God shall bid his angels loose the winds, there will be such a sense of strife as no pen can picture. We are in the eye of the hurricane. Adventists believe on the basis of biblical predictions that just prior to the second coming of Christ, this earth will experience a period of unprecedented turmoil with the seventh-day Sabbath as a focal point. Are we there yet? (laughs) We're there. In that context, we expect that world religions, including major Christian bodies, will be key players. They will align themselves with the forces in opposition to God and the Sabbath. Does that sound like the ecumenical movement that is being pulled together? I got a a story about Chinese, I mean, Japanese bamboo. The Japanese plant bamboo, and before they plant it, they have to plow the ground and irrigate the ground and take out the weeds, and then they, they do all this. Fertilize, do everything to get the ground ready. They have to get the ground ready for the bamboo to grow. They take and plant the bamboo and then they cover it up. And then they have to continue, because it's like a seed, they have to continue to water and and keep the weeds out and work on it. 
Several months go by and nothing has happened, but they keep working it. A year goes by, nothing has come up. They keep watering it, they keep weeding it, they keep working it. Two years go by, the, the field still looks the same. They're working it, they're keeping the weeds out. Three years, four years go by, nothing has come up yet. Some of them, if they're not experienced farmers with bamboo, might start getting discouraged and dig that up. Is it anything up under here? But the experienced farmer knows he has to wait. Five years go by, six years go by, nothing. The field still looks the same. In the seventh year, the bamboo will start to sprout. In 12 to 15 weeks, it will reach up to 100 feet tall. Bamboo grows so fast, you can literally watch it grow when it's growing. And when the hurricanes come, the bamboo is the only thing standing. It knocks over by the wind and the rains, but soon as the storm is gone, it stands straight again because it has a foundation that has been working underground for years and years and years. Our literature is the foundation of truth for the world that is about to come into major turmoil. We need people who are grounded in truth, who have had time to allow it to settle into their bones, into their heart, into their mind, so that when those winds come, they will be able to stand. It won't happen reading any other kind of literature. Our message is the message for the last days, for the last time. We have to understand it. We have to love it. We have to embrace it. And we have to understand it is a life and death situation. People will perish that don't have this information. We cannot expect our books and tracts and magazines that we distribute to bear fruit immediately or constantly from one day to the next. Think of books as time bombs, which do not explode at impact. But if at a predetermined time, by set by, set by in divine intelligence, God knows when to allow them to explode. These silent messengers are enlightening and molding the minds of thousands in every country and every clime. More than 1,000 will soon be converted in one day, most of whom will trace their first convictions to the reading of one of our publications. Who will have distributed those saving pages? Who stands will, who's, who stands will achieve, that's not the right word, will achieve what, this must be what? I don't know, that's the wrong word, <laughs> okay. Who will achieve such wide world, wide reaching results? It is up to you and me. It is, and that's the Lord's hope. It's up to you and me. We gotta do it. Somebody has to do it. We have to be committed and converted 
to Adventist literature. And once we are, nothing else will do. And we will be able to have people stand next to us like the bamboo stands in the storm. Because God's coming back. It's going to be worse than we can even imagine. But only those that are grounded and rooted and have a foundation in Christ are going to be able to make it. Let's have a closing prayer. Dear gracious Father, we thank you for this opportunity to just examine your word and the importance of your word. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us the printed word that we may share this truth with others. Lord, we ask that you would be with each one here, that you would have touched their hearts, that you would teach them what they need to know, that you would guide them in the direction that they need to go, and that they would be willing to not share just with those that they know in their families and in their churches, but with others, the precious truths hidden in your word. We are about to approach a storm. Help us to be rooted and grounded and that your truth has been sunken into our souls so that we can stand for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.